First things first, Alabama State Bar Rules of Professional Conduct, Rule 7.2e, requires the following language in all attorney communications. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. I'm Harry Steele, Backwoods Southern Lawyer. My partner Paul Rip is here with me from the Rip Report. And if you are a Reigns fan, you can stop watching now. Reigns is once again missing in action. Uh, I'm sure harassing uh, the people of uh, the the governing body um, in uh, in in his area. So, um, Paul, I wanted to start off uh, with a uh, an article that we put up on our Facebook page, real quick. Um, it's Alabama's cost of power. I mean, influence is high. Um, Archibald wrote this column. Uh, I believe it was uh, April 2011, in which he chronicles Alabama Power Company spending at almost $20 million a year to sway public or political opinion, federal documents show. Um, so the the entity that he said that he got this information from is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. I tried to get a hold of them and get an update on these figures, and they did not know what I was talking about. So uh, we'll be following up with that with the Public Service Commission. I think they're probably the proper people to speak uh, to, to that or the people who should have that information. So, Paul, I'm going to turn it over to you for a minute. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take a topic? Okay, thank you. Paul Rip with the Rip Report, Court of Public Opinion. And this is the only court in Baldwin County where you can be guaranteed that your voice will be heard. Uh, a couple of things that uh, are happening. Uh, first of all, the film festival in Fairhope between the 14th and 17th. Uh, it's been gaining momentum each year. I encourage people that might be interested to check and see what films are available. The second thing is uh, last week on uh, the RIP report in Baldwin County, Legal Legal, uh, there's other uh, blog sites in Baldwin County, and we share a lot of our posts. And some of our posts are, are all different views. You know, their opinions, uh, we're not necessarily putting those out there for you to endorse. We're just trying to give you the general information. But I find it curious when, uh, when we do these posts, which posts resonate and which ones don't. This last week, there was a post, I believe that was by Josh uh, Moon, and it had a picture of the Trump balloon in Tuscaloosa and it being slashed. And I was amazed. 50, 60 people comment on the balloon being slashed. And then uh, Mr. Mo Brooks, who's the representative of the Fifth District, uh, he wants to give the balloon popper a patriotism medal. And, of course, this is after the prosecution of him slashing the balloon. But he wants to give him an award before there's any prosecution or what the result is of what this man did. Whether he did it was wrong or right, that's not what I'm arguing about or making mention about. What I'm trying to make mention of is that we're telling you about public corruption. We're bringing up uh, city councils and different people that are acting in different ways that are not in the best interest of the community. We don't get 
as many posts or likes to that or any comments. But yet somebody pops a balloon at a football game and everybody is interested in it. So it kind of kind of shows you the mentality of what's going on around here. At least he's watching our stuff. What? <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to you, Harry. Um, so I wanted to talk about a project. Um, I, if anybody has watched our previous podcast, I talked a little bit about um, – the fact that uh, a lot of people down in Gulf Shores and Orange Beach are not happy about uh, the traffic that they have to deal with. And um, there there was an article this week uh, where Gulf Shores and the state of Alabama are, are working together to circumvent the terms of a lawsuit settlement between the state and an environmentalist group uh, in which the state agreed not to build any additional roadways through the Gulf State Park. Robert Kraft, the Gulf Shores mayor, and Chris Blankenship, who is the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources director, say that $21.7 million from the Restore Act will be spent on this project. Any comments? $27? million. Um, and, and I think this has to do with, you know, that bad curve right there? Correct. Uh, uh, Canal Road. Right. They're they're talking about taking that school traffic and instead of going through that neighborhood, uh, going going through going around the perimeter of the park, which I don't see how if you make a uh, an asphalt track all the way around the park, how that's good for the environment of the park. No, and I know that might as well build a, a wall around it. There's a lot of opposition too. All right, Paul, your turn. Go All right, it. let's go back to uh, our favorite publication, uh, Lanyap, this week. Uh, one of the things in Lanyap is uh, uh, letters to the editor. I always love to read the letters to the editor. And uh, Mr. Mark Roshenko uh, wrote in from Fairhope. The title of his letter is, uh, Have We Lost Our Way? And I would totally agree with him that we have. It's more or less about planning and zoning, and his particular complaint is uh, a neighborhood that, uh, or a PUD that's being um, uh, introduced now where three houses per acre are going to be in that neighborhood when the surrounding neighborhoods, the sizes of the lots are not anywhere near as small. Three lots on an acre is really jamming them in there. Also, uh, and and uh, uh, people need to follow up on that because Fairhope is in just absolute high gear when it comes to uh, PUDs and what's developing in that area. Also, in the uh, land yap, there's a good article, Damn the Torpedoes by Rob Holbert. His title is A Spineless Run for Congress, and he's speaking about Mr. Sessions entering into the... Um, Senate race, which I think was to be expected by some. Also, uh, another interesting article hey, let, is... Let's talk about that for a second, right. because here, here's here's my take on this. All right. Um, the one group that you're not... that Sessions is not going to pull any supporters from is who? Roy Moore. Oh. <laughs> he just helped Roy Moore take the field. <laughs> Because he, he, you know, he might pull some folks from Merrill or, or from Burn or uh, Tuberville. I mean, seriously, I, I love you, Tubbs, but I ain't going to vote for you for Senate. Um, anyway, I, just, I was wondering uh, what, your, what your thoughts were on that. Uh, well, actually, 
uh, John Merrill is the uh, Secretary, of State. Secretary of State. And I'd like to remind everybody that it was John Merrill who stepped in in the 2016 election for uh, mayor in Fairhope and uh, came down and, so to speak, audited that, not audited, but he was present to make sure that that election... When it was certified or whatever? Uh, correct. Okay. And, and um, the main reason being is in years past, there had been a lot of rumors and a lot of suspicion about the elections in Fairhope being rigged. So he came down at the last minute. He oversaw those elections, and lo and behold, we got a new mayor, and it substantiated to a lot of us that somebody had been tinkering with the uh, election. So um, I really think Mr. Merrill's got a feather in his cap as far as that goes with, with me, for sure. Uh, also under Hidden Agenda by Ashley Trice, and this is something some, everybody should read, and this is over the annexation in uh, Mobile that they're talking about right now. Annexation is going to be coming up here in Fairhope and on Baldwin County side. There's a lot of arguments about it. So you might want to read those articles and see the pros and cons of both. All right. I want to go back to, um, do, don't we have an image of this, the pedestrian bridge and all that? So, um I don't know that this image actually shows what we're talking about, but it'll give you a, a general idea. Um, east of the Jack Edwards Airport and Gulf Shores on the north side of the Intracoastal Waterway, Gulf Shores uh, heard an application for a another PUD, Paul. Uh, 218 acres. They're going to build six-story condominiums, and they're saying it's going to be 20 run, 21 residential units per acre. You want to talk about some density. So here's the kicker, Paul. Guess what year the Corps of Engineers approved these 15 mixed-use projects? 1919. <laughs> 2000, <laughs> might as well be. 2006. What in the hell all's changed in that canal since 2006? All kinds of things. Well, that's a problem. You see these people get these approvals, and then you're you're sitting in council chambers, and this thing comes up, and they say, you say, well, when when were these apartments approved? And they say, oh, back in 09. Well, so, what happened between 09 and now? All right, so so right now what you got is you got like a little marina down there and you got Lulu's, right? Right. right. So this the, the approval that came from the Corps of Engineers in 2006 were, were, was, for a, was for 15 individual mixed-use projects Three major marinas with 318 boat slips, 3,175 condos, and 27,000 square feet of retail. Say those condos again. 3,175 condos. Now, of course, that's spread over Correct. A, a bigger area than this just just this uh, 218 acres. Um, but you know, th this is going to substantially change the the flavor of that part of the canal and which may be what they've had in the plans all along. Um, so while we're talking about that. Um, I, I just wanted to go over a, f a few more particulars about it. Um, it looks like the council considered that rezoning on November 12th. Um, and of course the environmental impact statement um, was, was done back in the mid two thousands, which makes no sense to me. All right, Paul. Take All right. one now. Well, uh, I went to a city council meeting this last uh, 
week because uh, one of the projects I'm really looking at that I was trying to pay attention to is the Gaver Village Partners. But I noticed something on the on the council agenda. I've I've complained about this for years, and um, it still ends up the same way. And the public, they're not. I don't believe that the uh, that they're being transparent when we have these uh, public hearings and and final adoption. For instance, we have one public hearing where the individual's names are named as to who is involved with the request and so on and so forth. Then we have a final adoption that comes up next, and the same thing. The individual's names are listed, and it looks all authentic. Then we get to the third one. There's no names. It's only Gafer Village Partners. It does not say that Judge uh, Snedeker and his law partner, Attorney uh, Hicks, are the ones that are developing the project. So you go to a meeting and you see this final adoption, and it's Gafer Village Partners, and you have no idea who these people are, or it's ABC LLC. You don't know who they are. They should be they, the final adoptions or public hearings. All of this should be out in front so where people know who is involved. There are people in Fairhope that do not know that the municipal judge who was uh, appointed by the council is now going to depend on the council's approval for this project. And then one of the other things that was mentioned that uh, – I thought there was a lot of irony, too. They they also struck that maybe they added it after I left that night, but they also struck number 10, which is a resolution that the city of Fairhope adopts a resolution to support World Kindness USA to establish a kinder and more peaceful community. I guess they that's struck <laughs> that's right. I, I guess they struck that because they, they couldn't live up to it. But... Uh, Anyway, that's what was on the council agenda. Now, they did also finally pass the um, uh, budget. This is four years. This council has not had a, a budget on time. You got a total uh, yeah. on that budget? Uh, I, I don't see the final total in this particular article, but it, the budget was approved finally. Uh, after about seven or eight weeks behind. And, of course, that also was behind their purchase of the uh, uh, recreation property. But I'll get to that in just a second. I feel sure you will. Go ahead. <laughs> so I want to go throw that image back up. Uh, we're going to take you back to the Intracoastal Waterway. Um, federal DOT has awarded a grant project, and this is a damn mouthful, the BUILD grant, Better Utilizing Investment to Leverage Development Program. We need to leverage some development in Gulf Shores, don't you think? Oh, yeah. There's nothing going on down there. So, uh, number one, the first, oh, and it's $14,404,000. So, the first part of the project that they're going to complete is an additional lane uh, southbound on 59. I think that's from County Road 12 south to the bridge. I don't know why in the hell you'd want to put an extra lane and then bottleneck it at a bridge, but, you know, I'm not a transportation engineer. The second thing that they're going to do, which seems monumentally expensive in my mind, uh, 
looking at the height of the bridges that we have over the intercoastal now, they're going to build a pedestrian bridge. And is that is that image up where everybody can see it from the curve there uh, straight across um, up towards the airport? And then you see like a little plaza or whatever that, that they have uh, drawn as a concept. Um, and so the other thing that they're going to do in this project is go up to County Road 6 and make it into a four-lane boulevard. So some some major changes, some major headaches. If you people are worried about traffic down there, better gear up. Is what they're doing all this work on County Road 6 and 59. And uh, I don't know how they're going to deal with traffic on on Canal Road while they're building a pedestrian bridge right there. But um, well, I'm they, sure they got it all figured out. They ought to invest uh, as well in uh, a little map that they can give to the locals on how to get to the beach, you know, which buildings they can go between to get to the beach. <laughs> well, they do have a map of uh, – I know Gulf Shores has a map of their public uh, access, public beach accesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so can I keep going or you got something? Well, I got plenty. <laughs> All right. Well, so, so I, I want to talk a little bit of, uh, about what's going on, uh, here in Baldwin County. Um, you know, you, you heard our allegations, uh, about what all the County commission from the two, 2010 until our recent election in 2018. Um, and I just want to give you guys some budget figures and Nick, can you throw those up? Give me those 2011 uh, audit uh, and these are these are audited figures by the examiners of public accounts we've put the links to these on our facebook page if you want to go look at them for yourself but here's the bottom line year in september 30th 2011 the revenues for general government with the county commission was 49 million dollars the the expenditures under general government were 20 million and public safety were $21 million. So let's fast forward to last September 30th when they uh, took a snapshot and um, uh, gave us that audit. Are you, do you have 2018 up, Nick? All right. So the revenues went from $49 million to $60 million. Uh, general government expenditures went from $20 million to $21 million, and public safety went from $21 million to $27 million. So that should show you right there. It, you know, and it's like we've been telling you guys, the budget is a plan. The plan is to continue to spend more and more money on law enforcement in this county. Six million dollars it went up. Since 2000, since September 30th, 2011, the Sheriff's Department budget has been increased by six million dollars, while the rest of the general government has increased by one million. One to six. Yes. Oh, and uh, just so you know, um, uh, Act Number 2017-419, um, this bill was sponsored by Representatives McMillan, Shiver, Baker, Faust, Jackson, and Davis. Um, and what this general act of local application does is it gives our good sheriff an extra $20,000 a year for his salary and expenses. Well, you know, the thing that I that I wonder about is you we got that many millions in the sheriff's department. I have yet to seen one single prosecution of white collar crime or political corruption. Not one. What does that take? Another five million? I don't know. <laughs> well and and here's here's something else that I that I I have a I don't guess I can say I have a problem with it. Uh 
what's, what's a good way to say it? It's concerning to me that the sheriff's department or the sheriff has created an entity called the major crimes unit. Okay. So the MCU is a, what would you call it? Would you call it a, a, a theoretical entity? It doesn't actually exist. It doesn't actually have a, a facility where it functions. Um, so there are three instances when the MCU kicks into uh, kicks into high gear and, and and starts doing whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. Um, so it's uh, my understanding it's twenty senior detectives from the sheriff's department are all designated to the MCU. So if they find some, a murder victim in Baldwin County and there's no apparent uh, suspect, they will come in regardless of the jurisdiction and take and take the case over. Um, which sounds like a good idea to me. The second part is what stinks to high heaven. So guess who is investing? So, you know, you've talked about this a couple times, Paul. What, what's the kid's name from Louisiana that got shot dead in the middle of the interstate? Oh, uh, I won't recall it. Right well, now. so, so notes. anywhere else in Alabama where a sheriff's deputy shoots somebody, they would call in the ABI to investigate that, that shooting. Do you agree with that? Right. But here in Baldwin County, where we have a separate, a theoretical separate entity, um, I think that there are some. Uh, so, so the sheriff is the vice chair of the MCU board, and uh, there are several different law enforcement uh, people from around the county who sit on the board. But theoretically, uh, and I think Lanyap had asked for these, uh, had had asked for the body cam footage, and right. uh, had served the sheriff with the request, the open records request. Right. So they had a hearing and uh, one of our judges decided that um, they should have served the MCU. So, so they, it, it was an ineffective service or an ineffective request. So here's, and, and I don't want to second guess anybody, but here, here's, here's how it follows in my mind. The sheriff is a constitutional officer. Okay. He has constitutional immunity granted him by the state of Alabama. That constitutional immunity, that protection is given to the deputies and all the people with arrest power under him. So what I'm saying is if you if you serve the sheriff to get information that somebody with this with this constitutional immunity enjoys, then you've satisfied the requirement in my mind. Um I I don't know why we'd be looking to legitimize this MCU idea. And, of course, you know, the sheriff's been going all over the state trying to tell everybody that it's such a good idea that everybody needs an MCU, kind of like everybody, we need a cop in every school and and all, all that kind of. So this would be on. like a uh, uh, sheriff's department would be investigating the sheriff's department to give a conclusion on what they decided whether it was a good shooting or not. And just imagine a scenario where, okay, the, the, the uh, well, I, I can't even think of anything that asinine. <laughs> I can't even think of a, 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 a good example that would be worse than the one that we're talking about. So uh, I, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't think it's good practice. It, uh, you know, in accounting, we talk about internal controls. And uh, I, I think that that's how they need to be looking at things over on the law enforcement side of the ledger, too. There need to be internal controls to make sure that the people investigating aren't guys that are sitting in the squad room next to these people the next day. It needs to be a critical 
independent eye looking at these police shootings. You know, the, the thing that gets me is that we keep coming back to the fact that Baldwin County does things different than the rest of the state. And it makes you wonder, what in the world is going on? How did we fall so far behind? I mean, be it sewer regulation or whatever it is, qualifications well, for I sheriffs. Well, I can tell you exactly where we fell behind when, um, when we had that 2010 election and these developers took over our county commission. Right. And it's been Katie bar the door ever since. Right. Development, development, de- development. And then you've got these small municipalities with hardly any staff, okay, like the, the city of Loxley. Who, you know, look at this map back here. Loxley, uh, land-wise, had two-thirds of the city of, uh, of, of the corporate limits are north of I-10. <laughs> Who would have known that without looking at this map? I mean, you know, when you think of Loxley, hell, you, they got two caution lights. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've got 6,000 residential units, single-family houses approved, and another 7,000 apartments approved on that Golden Triangle. And that's just Loxley. And that's just Loxley. Oh, and guess when the PUD on that was approved? When? Oh, shit, back t- 2004, I believe. We'd have to go back. I, I did a pretty good, uh, a, a pretty rough job on it this time, but last time I think I went through all of those dates. Um, all right, Paul. Well, that's where the communities, one. that's where a lot of these municipalities are being taken advantage of. These these plans and PUDs that are approved, and 5, 10, 15 years later, they come back up without having to go back through and the And it might process. not be a good place for a PUD anymore. Correct, correct. I mean, there I mean, might be a concrete plant sitting Right next to where you're talking about putting multifamily. Well, it was just like you're talking about with the environmental impact statement down there in Gulf Shores. Are you telling me nothing has changed since 06? I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Not that the Corps of Engineers seems to care about. But, uh, well, get back to the one of the other things that uh, struck me on that uh, kindness thing that uh, the council didn't want to uh, talk about is that the handed out a flyer ways to be kind they list 24 different things 23 is practice doing something kind each day and 24 is to serve on a fair hope city board <laughs> well i could tell you i know many many fair hope city boards that and we're going to be talking about boards by the way that actually they they don't have they hold no water because the council overrides them one way or another. But let's be kind and try to be nice here, okay? All right. So I'll move into one other thing where I'll be a little bit nicer, okay? Not that much though. They recreation land was quite, and Fairhope the recreation land that they purchased for two point six five million was done by three different councilmen: Burrell, Boone, and Brown literally by themselves i mean not one single solitary person other than those involved with trying to get that recreation land spoke up for it now all of the council voted much earlier on with to apply for a grant with the park service and come up with a connectivity master plan workshop and this was basically a connectivity plan, which was uh, bicycles, foot traffic, uh, not not necessarily uh, vehicles. So I went to 
now they closed on the land for the recreation on November 1st, I believe it was, on a Friday. The Connectivity Master Plan Workshop, which they all agreed to do, which they all agreed to do, was on Thursday, November 7th. I went to the meeting. Not one single council person was there. Not one. And what I gleaned from the connectivity plan was that there was an effort. You, you've got city staff in there. You had four or five tables showed, uh, filled up. You had planning and zoning in there to answer questions. It was a very, very good meeting. But the one thing that I took away from the meeting is that what they were trying to do is uh, this connectivity is to tie all of this together, these parks together, the walking from town, et cetera. And the property that they bought, goes against every bit of the plan. They only had six more days where they could have participated in the workshop, but the council did not want to participate in the workshop. They wanted to close on the property before the workshop, regardless of what the community thought and regardless of what the connectivity or the park uh, people suggested. So now we got a park. And now the connectivity plan has to be completely altered to try to put this piece of property in, which will probably will remain vacant for uh, years. And $2.65 million is going to be a lost opportunity on a lot of infrastructure needs and different things uh, in Fairhope. I, I, I wanted to follow up a little bit on that. Uh, so the police chief in Foley, Alabama, Chief David Wilson, is chairman of the major crimes unit of Baldwin County's board of directors. Um, and the three instances when the major crimes unit is activated in Baldwin County uh, is for one of three reasons. An officer involved shooting, the death of a suspect while in custody. Well, of course we want the sheriff's department guys investigating that. And uh, or a homicide was where a suspect has not been immediately identified. Um, so, Paul, yesterday I was in Montgomery for the Beasley Allen Conference and Expo for private practice attorneys. Um, they let you in. <laughs> Nobody searched me going into the conference. You know, the Renaissance Conference Center up in Montgomery. Thank goodness. Um, they must not have gotten the word how dangerous I am. <laughs> um, so, but it was kind of a reunion of sorts. I saw a lot of great folks that I hadn't seen in a long time. Bo Linder, Meredith Markham, Terrell McCants, uh, Catherine King, Catherine Henry, uh, Chris Bur uh, Burrell. Um, just a lot of good folks from uh, that I went to law school with. Uh, our keynote speaker was Dr. David Bronner, who is the director of uh, the Retirement Systems of Alabama. And, of course, you know, I didn't have an opportunity to uh, – he actually had bodyguards when he was leaving. Uh, he was escorted out and uh, because I did I did want to have the opportunity to talk to him about him ripping those damn gas tanks up down there by the Grand Hotel. Um, but, anyway, he, he gave a really good um, speech, and um, one of the things that I want people to think about, one of the things I took away from his speech um, is about the situation – and we – Paul and I agreed we would not talk about national politics, but right. he, but you did touch the Trump uh, balloon tar baby, so I'm going to take a little, okay, a little latitude on this one. Fair so, enough. 
So back uh, after the Iron Curtain fell, Ukraine was one of the countries that actually had nuclear weapons. And we told we we talked them into giving those up, and we said, we will protect you. Um, so now that we've reneged on that promise, you've got other countries out there like Japan, South, you know, how about the South Koreans? What would happen to them if we just said, ah, you know, if North Korea wants to come across the demilitarized zone, you guys are good luck to you. Um, so just that kind of, uh, the fact that that creates instability in the world and uncertainty, and it's not good for our markets, regardless of what the dang, uh, Fed does from day to day. All right, Paul, what else you got? Well, I want to go back over one thing I mentioned before, and, uh, I don't think that it got the attention it should. And it was big news for the future of Mobile Bay. And that was, uh, where Mr. Uh, Senator Jones uh, had uh, come up with uh, some new measures to establish competitive grants for states seeking to set up ways for counties to share data about water quality, pollution sources, and water infrastructure, particularly here in uh, our area. All of these municipalities have different problems. This this all came about by... Uh, Legislation. It was a direct result of uh, the mayor of Fairhope, her administrator, and staffers, and Senator Jones sitting down and saying, "Look, we got concerns about the uh, situation, and we need help." So, you know, I had somebody come up to me and say, "Well, you shouldn't have said that about Senator Jones. You're giving him credit for uh, doing this, and why not Bradley Byrne?" I, well, Mr. Byrne didn't do anything. Mr. Jones did. And uh, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not leaning particularly for one prog- uh, party or another. What I am saying is that this is what got done, and this is what we need. We need very, we need desperately to do this with our water quality as well as the sewage. The same thing with the sewer regulation in the, uh, in the county, which has yet to be resolved. But uh, that's a very, very good sign. Let's hope that they uh, really go for it there and can clean up the bay. I know that when I got here in 93, I used to sit down by the bay and I could watch shrimp boats come right in front of the pier. You could hit them with a rock. And now you don't see any shrimp boats. A lot of the fish have moved out. Every one of the municipalities along the shores had problems with pollution. Uh, so, you know, this, this is what has to be done. One city, one place is not going to um, get it done. So let's hope that these efforts and the, the communities will cooperate and try to get a handle on the, the Mobile Bay along with baykeepers and the other people involved. All right, so there's one thing I want to talk about and because I don't understand it. <laughs> All right. All right, so the other day you, I talked to you and you were down at the uh, Fairhope uh, License Office, Alabama Law Enforcement Agency Driver's License Office, right? Right, right. And you were trying to get one of these real ID-compliant licenses. Correct. So according to the information I have here, effective October 1st, 2020, every air traveler will need a real ID-compliant license, what we call a STAR ID, or another form of identification for domestic air travel. Right. Okay, so tell me what all I got to take down there to get one of these glorified real IDs. Uh, I don't have that application form in front of me, but I can tell you this. I went three times before I got it done, 
Uh, it's state uh, state employees that uh, are you have to have a, a bur- you have to have in three different categories. You have to have one ID of each one of those. So categories. one of them's like a passport. Another one's a birth certificate, consular cool. report of birth abroad, um, Social Security card, United States military identification card. Um, Medicare, Medicare identification card, W-2 tax form, voter registration card. Anyway, there are a lot of different things that you you have. You must have one of these, one of these, and two of these. So there, right. there are at least four documents. And um, I'm trying to see. Well, the, 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 also, the, the big thing about this is that there's only two or three people handling this. So you go there in the morning. I can get there one hour before it opens at 7 o'clock. And by the time they open the door, there's 30 or 40 people. They'll sign up 12, tell the other 12 to come back at 1.30. This starts on a Monday. By Friday, they're doing the same thing. They never, ever catch up. Well, this is just the people that are trying to get this star license now. I can't even imagine what is going to happen about six months from now when everybody finds out, oops, I got to have it. Then the lines are going to be, you know, completely crazy so uh i suggest that any of you that are doing any traveling internationally especially uh to go get the license because you're going to have to do it sooner or later so i i'm about at the at the end of my topics paul uh do you have anything else you'd like oh to man do i ever <laughs> all right here we're in the court of public opinion again uh lanyap last week uh, put out another article gabe times did and this is friends without benefits. Now, in Fairhope, uh, we have a junior council, and I hope that the junior council is paying attention to what is going on in Fairhope. I hope that maybe they even uh, run a candidate in the 2020 election. I'd like to see the junior council also get behind candidates, uh, trying to encourage candidates to, to get in the race. But this friends without benefits goes back to this same uh, project, uh, this Gafer Village Partners, which is the municipal Fairhope municipal judge Haynes Snedeker and his business partner Ray Hicks. Now, Hicks is no stranger to conflicts of interest. As a member of the airport authority in 2015, he recused himself from a vote for, that awarded a 30 year lease to his own company, Medbay Air LLC, for four parcels of property at the Sunny Callahan airport uh they later built a hangar and that hangar was for a supposedly about a million dollar jet owned by uh mr snedeker now here's where you get into the conflict of interest mr hicks at the time was a board member uh he shouldn't have been even anywhere remotely close to uh how trying to get an airplane hangar while he was a board member. Now, what complicated it even further was that the president of the council, Mr. Burrell, was also um, on the board and the liaison for the airport, and he oversaw the bid process. Now, it's also alleged that Mr. Uh, Burrell uh, had a seat in that airplane, was able to go to a uh, golf tournament with uh, Mr. Snedeker and them, and then later on he sits on uh, account to, uh, sits on a bid committee uh, to award a bid. So I would say that that would be quite a conflict of interest for him to even vote on this new PUD. 
in addition to that, Councilman Jay Robinson also has political connections to the Hicks and Snedeker through Colby Cooper, uh, who was formerly the chief of staff for Mobile uh, Mayor Sandy Simpson until his resignation in 2016. Now Cooper is chief operating officer of Hicks Snedeker Companies. But in 2015, Mr. Cooper was also listed as a member of Mr. Robinson's campaign committee and donated $250 to Mr. Robinson. So I see a huge conflict of interest there. Then the article goes on and mentions Kevin Boone and Mr. Boone's conflict of interest as well. So we have now a PUD that is going to be coming up, I suppose, in the next uh, couple of weeks. And this is going to be the Gafer uh, PUD that the uh, municipal judge and Mr. Snedeker are involved with. We can see that four of the city council has conflicts of interest in voting on this. In addition to this, you have to remember that the council appoints the municipal judge. So the municipal judge is appointed by the council, and now the municipal judge is going to bring a project before the council for approval. Uh, I asked in Baldwin County, I spoke to five separate attorneys, and I asked each one of those attorneys what they thought of that. Each one said that they thought it was a conflict of interest. One judge I spoke to in uh, Mobile told me the same thing. All the attorneys and the judge made it clear to me that they were not going on record. Now, I spoke to another judge, which is a family friend in Birmingham. I just got back from VA up there, and I happened to run into him, and I told him what was going on. And he told me that that probably would not fly in Birmingham at all. And he said the thing that really is going to compound this or make it look even worse is let's say it's just totally approved. Then every change, anything that happens with that project, everyone is going to be suspicious that there is favoritism given to the project because the judge is involved. So I don't know another. In fact, the, the judge I spoke to up there said, well, what should happen is the judge should uh, just resign from being a municipal judge. And at least that would clear up that part. I can assure you this is going to fly through council. They're going to have blinders on. They're not going to care one way or another whether what who shows up, who says what. But the citizens of Fairhope, you need to be paying attention. This is not cutting a balloon. This is cutting up Fairhope. So you better pay attention to what's going on. Uh, mentioning Fairhope also, they're the, and the council, the council is also being sued for the council themselves are being sued by a Fairhope woman over variances for a downtown building. And these are variances that uh, the council approved. And now they've right on top of this woman's property. In fact, part of the part of the project, as I understand, even hangs over the, the top of it. Uh, this is the same council now that uh, I sued in federal court over not allowing uh, me to speak at a uh, city council meeting. 
the council uh, reluctantly finally had to settle that lawsuit. And now, quite interestingly, I've had two or three calls from different parts of the United States, people that have been in the same situation, and they are now using this case, the Fairhope case, as a precedent in other cases where people have been denied talking in front of a council. So uh, if a council tells you to shut up and sit down, don't do it. So it's you and Larry Flint. That's it. That's it. That's it. Put us both on the same page, right? Uh, uh, you got anything else? Or I, got I got a couple of things. Go ahead. Uh, so, so just to follow up on something we talked about uh, last time I was here, uh, the Atmore-based uh, Porch Band of Creek Indians has launched a website, and you guys should go check it out. We're going to do a real in-depth uh, discussion on this next time. It's called... Um, Winning for Alabama.com, and it details a plan that would give them exclusive rights to gaming interest except for a lottery. In exchange, the tribe is willing to make a one-time $225 million payment to the state and says it is willing for the tribe to share 25% of the gaming revenues with the state. So, um... You know, I don't know if it's a good idea, bad idea. Uh, this comprehensive plan for gaming in Alabama—they're talking about um, two more constructing two more resorts in the northern part of the state with unlimited unlimited gaming that includes blackjacks, craps, other table games, sports book, hotel, spa, restaurant, and other amenities. And uh, just so you know, Alabama, Alaska, Hawaii, Nevada, and Utah are the only states that don't have uh, a traditional lottery. Well, I would, uh, again, I was in Birmingham, and uh, they're running some pretty heavy ads. Indians are running a very heavy ads on uh, in the Birmingham area. They're calling it $1 billion contribution over time. And, um, you know, this has been going on since uh, Siegelman's days. What's that, over 20 years ago? And we yet to have a lottery. Uh, everybody drives to the next state to get the lottery. And looking at the totality of it, uh, I'll be honest with you, I would trust the Indians far more than I would the uh, our politicians. Well, how about government. this? Dale Marsh is looking into it for us. Oh, um, oh God, that just relieves me tremendously. <laughs> uh, one more thing <laughs> I wanted to talk about. The Baymanette Christmas Fest is going to be December 14th. It's going to be a one-day event. It's usually a Friday-Saturday event. This year, it's going to be Saturday only. It's going to be back around the square, thank goodness. And um, get this. Hey, Nick, just so you know, you got a little tattoo. (laughs) So we're going to broadcast live from the square during Christmas Fest, and especially during the parade. But, you know, check us out that morning. We'll, We'll be live streaming. Uh, we've talked to Point Broadband about getting us a uh, a wireless connection. They provide that here in town, and uh, hopefully they'll come through with that. Um, I'm about out of issues. Oh, one more that we're going to touch on next time as a follow-up. Uh, just so uh, those of you who are following the Alabama Power Company coal ash issue, um, there, there's been some new edicts come down from the EPA, and uh, we're going to talk about that uh, Turns out coal ash is completely harmless. You should put it in your oatmeal in the morning. (laughs) 
All right. One thing I want to go back on is, uh, and uh, Harry, you're part of this too. I guess you're going to be, you have been served. I have yet to been served. It's go back to the article writ of mandamus, which was uh, involving the McSherry's case where Mr. McSherry um, um, knocked Paula Denardi off of our stool. That's what started it. And according to the definition of Legal Institute of Cornell Law, the writ of mandamus is an order from a higher court instructing a lower court to, quote, properly fulfill their official duties or to correct an abuse of discretion. Now, that has been sent, and that uh, McDonald uh, is the attorney, uh, Mr. David McDonald for Paula Denardi, and the petition is a formal request for the state's high court to send it to Judge Stankowski and try to get it straight. And in the interim, uh, Mr. Pittman, who is uh, representing Mr. McSherry, is subpoenaing everybody. I think he wants to come up with some vast conspiracy theory that this is a political movement to go after Mr. McSherry, which it is not because Mr. McSherry has four or five convictions. And so now all of us are going to be involved. But uh, Hey, Paul, let me ask you a question. Yes. Um, are you going to waive your attorney-client privilege so I can comply with the subpoena? Absolutely not. I have, do you uh, think any of my clients will waive? I don't waive. think any of your clients will do it. And, and so, and so the, what about the, all communications from November 22nd, 2018 to present between you whether written, electronic, verbal, or otherwise between, well, and, and, the, and the real kicker in all this is number D, Lanyap or any of its representatives thereof, including any employer reporter. Right, and Mr. I think they've got a privilege there. Well, the uh, co-publisher, Mr. Uh, Holbert, has always made it very clear that Mr. Pittman's effort to subpoena uh, Lanyap's email, phone, personal communications, or anything over the past year uh, violate not only the Alabama journalistic source privilege, but also attorney-client privilege. And attorney-client privilege is what uh, certainly is what uh, I will lean on. But I will go as far well, as to not, say you this. You understand that, right? It's not correct. my privilege. It's your privilege. That's correct. It's my okay. privilege. And and the other thing, too, is, and I'll make this perfectly clear, is that I have a lot of people that call me, you know, and they say, can you give me advice on this? Can you give me advice on that? I had talked to uh, uh, Ms. Denar Paula Donardi early on. Uh, I didn't know her until this time. I had met her, but I didn't know her. And um, I told her, I said, well, because I was involved in a uh, incident before with Mr. McSherry where he uh, almost uh, assaulted the uh, uh, artist Nall, that ended up going to court. He was actually under on probation during that time when this incident happened. But I told Mr. Ms. Paul, Paula Donardi, as I would anyone, that if you have a complaint, you go to your mayor or you go to your police chief. And one of the things that you need to understand is that if you have an incident, say, but you don't know exactly what to do at that time, but you don't feel comfortable about what happened to you, then call a police officer. Get the police officer to come and tell them that you want to file an incident report. And he will file an incident report and make a record of it. 
And as I understand it, that's what happened here. So, uh, and I believe that the mayor uh, met with the police chief together with Paula Denardi, and I don't see anything wrong with that. That that's what should happen. That is the process that should happen. But anyway, we'll see how it unwinds in court. It should be very interesting. And one thing is for sure: if Mr. Pittman thinks that any type of intimidation is going to slow me down, he's entirely wrong. I'm going to make sure that we cover this to its fullest until the last day. Um, now, some things that are coming up. Hey, let me do. Let me okay. let me let me hit on one more sure, thing. Sure, sure. Um, so I can't remember what day it was. I think it was Wednesday. Um, I went out to Coastal Alabama Community College and uh, rolled out the red carpet for our new president out there, uh, Dr. Townsley. And um, anyway, and I I explained to him that I had been in a similar situation when I was hired to go to work in Etowah County. You know, I moved my family up there. I didn't know anybody. Um, and the mayor of, of Gadsden, who had been there, he'd been the mayor for 20 years. My second day on the job, called me over to his office and kind of gave me a little lay of the land where the bodies were buried. And as I was leaving, he said, now you got to realize I've been mayor here for 20 years. So he's part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, watch out for all this stuff, but you got to understand I might have a little something to do with that too. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I kind of gave, gave him a little uh, lay of the land, uh, encouraged him to continue to look in, into this alleged corruption, assured him that if he was there to be the ha- the chancellor's hatchet man, that he was not going to have a good time in Baldwin County. Um, and, and of course, when Dr. Branch was the president out at Coastal or Faulkner, um, they were very good corporate citizens. They participate in Christmas Fest, anything the chamber puts on. Matter of fact, I think a couple of their board members right now are coastal uh, uh, faculty. Um, so I hope that that continues. I hope that um, he that he is here to uh, to get back to the business of educating young people, which is what we sorely need in this town. And um, I, and I don't I don't know that if I I've ever verbalized this before, but you know, Baymanette as a town has many things that a lot of places would covet. We have a hospital or the county seat. We have a horse arena. We have a uh, the city owns a golf course. Uh, we have a community college. A pretty small population too. Right, but we have all these fantastic things. The problem is because of the damn corruption, none of it's anywhere close to each other. You got a dying downtown. If you'd put one of the five things that you know down here in your downtown, why in the world would you go out to uh, the middle of nowhere and build a uh, a brand new softball complex? Well, it's the same. Thing. Everybody's got to drive through to. Nobody can walk to. Exactly. You can't ride your bike to. Same it. thing we're talking about in Fairhope. Our horse arena is not in the city limits. It's out in Pine Grove. Our uh, Holly Hills Country Club is damn near in Loxley. It's it's fifteen miles from here, Paul. Um, the ho- of course the hospital uh, and all these things got located on you know well it's Paul hell you but you're a good guy we'll we'll put it on your property this time. Right, it's exactly like what's going on in Fairhope. You got three council people that determined where two point six five million was going to be spent, uh, and we're going to pay for it. I can assure you. Well, 
We hope you're going to stay up with us on the podcast coming up. Some of the things that are going to be coming up are uh, going to be, to say the least, controversial. One of them is something that I've been following for years. I mean, I have heard complaint after complaint after complaint about the wharf in uh, Orange Beach. And, and I'm totally uh, ignorant. I won't have to get caught up on Well, I've, I've had over, I don't know how many conversations I've gone out there and talked to tenants and everything, and there's over 30, over 30 tenants that have left there. Uh, what happens is they've been, or what is alleged is that they are lured into signing leases there based on statistics and data that does not exist. Uh, they get into some pretty high-priced leases, invest a good bit of money, all of a sudden, they find out, like all of us that live here, that the spigot turns off after Labor Day, and they're stuck there with a heavy lease, and then they can't get out of the lease. And then to make things worse, the management has been exercising the lease, uh, even in the termination and you know, going after these people for whatever they can do. It's, it's almost predatory. The... Uh, I would encourage anyone as a consumer, as a consumer alert, I would encourage anyone that is going to do any, thinking about opening any business at the wharf that you not speak to the real estate agent that's selling you this, but that you speak to the tenants. That you go out there and you talk to the tenants and ask them how it's going and how come there's so many people that have gone in business there that are not there anymore. What is the explanation? You don't have that many businesses come and go. Uh, then some of them are allowed to leave and break the lease. Some are sued. Some are taken to court. Everybody is treated a little bit differently. I can see the issue with the wharf blowing up in everybody's face, and we're going to be covering it in the uh, future. The other thing that we're going to be covering, and we've already interviewed a couple of people on this, is the infamous Judge Thomason and the family court. We're going to have a show that's dedicated to the family court uh, in Baldwin County, and I can assure you that there is nothing more upsetting or disgusting to have to talk about than the family court. Uh, what I am asking today, and I'm going to put this on the Facebook page too, is anybody that is interested in coming in and sharing their experiences uh, with us that has had the displeasure of being in Judge Thomason's court, we'd like to hear from you. However, we do realize that a lot of people that want to speak are still in court. And they can't speak because they jeopardize their own case. Now, the thing that disturbs me is I know of numerous cases where these people are in divorce court for 9, 10, 15 years. I can't understand what is going on. This is over child custody or whatever. And how can it just be going on and on? So... We'll be delving into that, and uh, I think you'll find that very interesting. Uh, the last thing is uh, it's a small world, and uh, uh, Harry just uh, bumped into somebody that knew Mr. John McAfee. McAfee uh, is the person who ran from police, uh, suspected of murder, uh, very, very, very colorful individual. 
and he also was featured uh, on a Showtime presentation, one that I was in and I helped. Uh, in fact, I went out and sought uh, a production company to follow it. After the third time, I was able to get with Nanette Bernstein with Showtime, and the movie is called Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee. So you might want to go watch the movie, a little bit of warning there. <laughs> it can get pretty graphic, but uh, we'll be coming back and talking about Bitcoin and other things that are related to it. The last we've heard of Mr. McAfee is that he was in a Dominican Republic and got popped with uh, guns and ammo. What in the world he is doing in Dominican Republic with weapons, I don't know, but It'll be an interesting feature, but if you get a chance, see if you can find the movie Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee, and we'll fill you in on the, the details. You'll find it very interesting. It's not has anything to do with politics around here, but we'll break that uh, monotony. So I want to thank you today for listening to us, and hopefully we'll be back here uh, next Friday. I, I want to talk about one more thing. Sure. Um, the Bowen County Bar Association. Um, since the sheriff has suspended my access to the courthouse or without being searched, I don't know how exactly you want to say it. I must go through security. Um, not one person from the Bowen County Bar Association has called me, emailed me, written me a letter, done anything in support. Not, not well. I mean, a, a few people have talked to me in private, but you gotta understand, we don't want any record of any of this. Um, when you're on the outs, especially with the most powerful politician in Baldwin County. Um, and the other thing, we have two family court judges running unopposed. Um, uh, no one qualified against them last Friday. Um, I mean, what do you think about that, Paul? I mean, I, I not just, substantively, I, it's just... but the fact that no, they're running unopposed um, in, in a... You know, who it's, it's like the old days of the Democratic Party back when uh, in the 50s, you know, whoever the, the Democrat was got elected. And down here, whoever the Republican is, is going to win this election. And these and the, the attorneys and judges in this and Baldwin County know the record of Judge Thomason. They know that well, I'm not talking been, about any particular judge. I I'm am saying I am. No one is opposing the, uh, any of these people, and, it, and I don't think it's good for democracy. No, it's not good. It's the same thing with sheriff or anything else. It's not a, a slap against the sheriff or anything, but I don't think anybody should be in there any more than two terms. As soon as you get in there over two terms, the, the, the possibility of corruption uh, gains momentum every single term that you're in there. But in the case of Judge Thomason, uh, one that that will light up my uh, uh, email site and my and my uh, social media sites right away. If I start talking about family court, the phones start ringing immediately. But yet here we have another election, totally unopposed, just going to walk right in. We're going to have the same amount of problems, and I don't know. I, I'm disappointed in uh, what's the same thing I was telling you a minute ago with a conflict of interest. I spoke to two judges and five attorneys. All seven of them said, don't quote me now. Don't use my name. Here we are again. We got 
You know, they know what's, they know that there's a problem with Judge Thomason, but nobody wants to say anything, so we're just going to let her walk in there again unopposed. And I, I kept getting, you know, people, people couldn't figure out why in the world we were doing this podcast, and they thought maybe I had some political ambitions, and that's why this is kind of a joke back here. The, uh, <laughs> I ran for city council in Baymanette and got beat by an old guy on a walker, two to one. I don't, I don't, I don't think politics is in the cards for me. Well, politics certainly not in the cards for me. People ask me all the time, why don't I run for office? And I'll tell you, the white reason I don't run for office is that I do far more good in the position that I am in questioning those that do run for office and those that are in office. Uh, so, uh, you know, you can participate one way or another. My participation is in the court of public opinion. I plan on giving the court of public opinion the voice, and I believe that that voice is going to be heard in Baldwin County sooner or later. Or in Auburn this weekend. Well, You're going to be screaming War Eagle, right? Oh, well, I'm not that big a football fan. Uh, I don't care who cuts a balloon. <laughs> I hear you. Well, that's it for us today. Um, thanks for joining us. That's number 11 in the can. Um, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.